The Soccer Gambling Podcast is presented by Winbet. Bet $100 at Winbet and get a $100 free bet. Head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T to claim your free bet today. We're also brought to you by IP Vanish. IP Vanish is the official VPN of SGPN and they're offering 70% off if you go to ipvanish.com slash SGP. That's ipvanish.com slash SGP. And finally, make sure to check out our new Discord server, the perfect place to interact and sweat bets with the entire SGPN crew. Just head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Discord. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Discord. Given his late return, Cristiano Ronaldo is not up to full fitness of the rest of the squad. But with Anthony Martial's injury, are you tempted to use him on Sunday to start him? Or do you feel you have enough options and you don't need to rush him in? We will see Sunday. With Anthony Martial's injury, does that highlight the need for United to be stronger and looking for attacking options in the market? We said it before, in the depth of the squad, we still searching to strengthen the squad. And in terms of the shape of the squad for Sunday, how are you feeling about it? I think um, um, we will have solutions uh, to, to sort it out. So Bill Lucas. Um, Eric, it's been a bit of a concern for the supporters for quite some time that the club don't have a defensive midfielder. Are you comfortable going into the season with the midfielders that you've got available? I think so. We saw pre-season, we did pretty well there uh, in that department. So um, I'm convinced uh, we have a good team, uh, we have a squad, but still, uh, what I said before about the depth of the squad, and we can still strengthen the squad, but I think the team shows they can play in a good level. So, um, Eric, the players that you brought in or that only started playing with you in, in Oslo, um, Ericsson and Martinez, are they fit enough to start on Sunday? And, and if they are, does that give you a particular problem at centre-half, given you've got people like Maguire and Varane who have got a lot of experience? Oh, I, I like such problems. <laughs> so, and I think this is what we're talking about. We need that in this squad. Uh, competition. Uh, is one, but also we go into a long season uh, with a lot of games, so we need a lot of good plays. Are they available to start? Are they fit enough to start? I think they are fit enough to start. Huh? Um, Eric, it's obviously been a, a long off-season, a lot of work's gone on. You're here because this club didn't reach its expectations last year, so now the season's upon us. How excited are you? What is your overriding motion? Is it nerves? Is it excitement? Or are you just chomping at bits to get going? Oh, as you said, it's exciting. It's, it's every season, but of course, uh, when you are going a season in a new club uh, with a new team, and I think we uh, we work really good, but also tough in the last weeks uh, to get a base. And I think uh, we have the confidence. We have that base, 
So I'm really looking forward to the start of Sunday. And what are your thoughts on Brighton? What do you expect from them? Oh, it's, it's a good team. Uh, play decent football. Play attractive football. Uh, I like them for what I saw. Yeah. Eric, what is the situation with Cristiano at the moment? We saw your quotes to a Dutch media outlet about the Rio game. There's been lots of speculation, as you were aware, all summer. So what is the situation with him now? Have you spoken to him? Do you, do you feel he's happy? What do you mean? Clarify your question, please. So, obviously, there was the comments that you, you said about the Rio game that it was unacceptable, that those that left early, <coughs> um, it was unacceptable. Ah, wait, wait. And now I have the point. Those who were... Uh, uh, sorry. ...left, but uh, there were many players who left. But the spotlight is on Cristiano, and that's not right. So I think then do your research uh, and uh, make out that many players left. What is not correct, uh, that is what I said. Okay. But also there has been talk in the summer about Cristiano. So how do you feel starting this, the season with him good but i don't um, i don't understand what is the relation uh, he was part of it once again a lot of plays okay but i'm talking more in a broader in a, in a broader sense yeah, yeah what so what do you mean with cristiano are you happy that he's content have you spoken to him since you got back from the tour of australia and thailand I'm really happy. I told you before, we plan with the season. We have a top striker and I'm really happy. Uh, he's here, he's in the squad and, and we stick to the plan. Yeah. Uh, Eric, do you, do you feel you have a, currently have a squad strong enough to finish in the top four? I think well, we, uh, what our aim is to win every game. That I think what is Man United standing for. And, and would top four for you be a good first season? for example a good first season and show progress i think we have to look forward to the first game and we say the approach has to be we want to win every game so let's start sunday we're going to start with Sunday as well here as we break down the game between Manchester United and Brighton here on Bet MUFC you can follow the twitter account for Bet MUFC on twitter it's at Bet MUFC that's at BetMUFC. You are listening to this on the Soccer Gambling Podcast. You can follow that Twitter account at SGP Soccer. That's at SGP Soccer. And finally, you can follow me on Twitter at LockBettingCom. That's at LockBettingCom. That is the Twitter account for LockBetting.com. So it's LockBetting.com without the dot. And LockBetting.com is my premium pay service that has delivered 110 months in a row of transparent track profit. It's also now a free podcast feed, so make sure you subscribe. We recently released episode one of Das Bundesliga show over there. We'll be covering the NFL there this season. If you want to sign up to LockBetting.com, go to the website. If you want to do your research first, look at the pinned tweet on the at LockBetting.com Twitter account. That's the PL from the previous month. If you want to see other pre Previous PLs. Go down to the bottom of that page, you'll see little tags. They say things like soccer, tennis, US sports, etc. Click on the one that says PL and you can see all of the other previous PLs. You can see 
the type of bets we do. You can see the sports, you can see the stakes, and most importantly, you can see members' comments at the bottom verifying the fact for nine years and two months this, this service hasn't had a single losing month. We are 10 months away from being able to say, I haven't had a single losing month in sports betting for a decade. A decade undefeated every single month is just... 10 months away. If you want to be a part of the service, sign up now. August is a huge month because we release all of our soccer futures. I see it as the start of our betting financial year. So the calendar year goes January to January. For me, the betting year goes from August to August because of the futures we release, not only for soccer, but for the NFL as well. And we have the US Open Tennis Tournament at the end of the month, along with everything else we do. Domestic soccer every single weekend. Now we have uh, additional tennis tournaments. We have the MLB going on at the moment we're even cashing bets in the kbo and the wnba as well as combat sports we have anthony joshua versus Alexander usik this month too so if you want to get all of that head over to lockbetting.com the premium pay service that has genuinely delivered 110 months in a row of transparent track profit Maybe the success of lockbetting.com is jinxing the success of Man United because Man United haven't won the league since lockbetting started. So um, God isn't giving me everything in terms of success with my football team and my NFL team, the Green Bay Packers, and my betting service as well. But uh, I'll take the money with lockbetting all day, as will my clients. But we are hoping that Man United can have a better season than last season. It was very, very much... A feeling of optimism at the start of pre-season when we smashed Liverpool 4-0. It looked like we were going to make four or five key signings, including Frankie de Jong. But it has become clear that the Frankie de Jong saga is going to drag on. And perhaps he really doesn't want to play for us. There was some hope that he was just trying to get his money from Barcelona, and rightfully so, and that Barcelona were being cheeky and trying to make us play, uh, trying to make us pay for it. But as the market now currently shows, Chelsea is the favourites to sign him. It does look like he doesn't want to play for Man United, but I actually don't see where he fits in at Chelsea. They've already got Jorginho, they've already got Kante, they've got Mount, they've got Kovacic, they've got Conor Gallagher back from Crystal Palace. Ross Barkley isn't even getting into the squad, so I'm not sure where Frankie de Jong fits in at Chelsea. And uh, Manchester United, on the other hand, are absolutely desperate for a defensive midfielder. The, The saga of Cristiano Ronaldo looks to be continuing. Yes, he walked away and as did other players, but he's the key name. He's also the player that didn't play any of the friendlies over the summer. He said that he was taking a break for family reasons, yet we saw 100 rumours linking him to 100 clubs such as Bayern and Chelsea. So it's very, very different when he does what he did compared to the other players. I know Ten Hag was trying to defend him there, and I know he was positive about having him as a striker and saying he was a top striker, but he's a top striker who doesn't do what Ten Hag strikers do, which is press the ball. He's in the bottom 1% for, for pressing forwards. I don't see how he fits in with United. I don't see how he fits in with what we did at pre season where Sancho Martial and Rashford looked dangerous for those first three games or at least those first two and a half games 
and now we've we've sort of moved away from that and looking like we may have to start an unfit Cristiano Ronaldo against Brighton and uh, the Ronaldo circus now rolls into our first game of the season I'm not happy about it he spoke about the situation about having a good problem with these centre-backs that we've now signed well let's have a look at that situation we badly needed a defensive midfielder we needed um, more cover out wide because Mason Greenwood isn't coming back by the look of things at the moment and uh, we need a little bit more than just having Rashford and Sancho we haven't signed that wide player Anthony hasn't come in we haven't signed a defensive midfield player we've lost Lingard we've lost Pogba we've lost Matic we've lost Mata and uh, we haven't got that midfield replacement yes we've got Christian Eriksen on a free but he's an attacking midfielder that plays in the same position as, as Bruno Fernandes. And we've just got Donny von, van der Beek back and he plays the same position as well. So I can only think we're going to be playing one holding midfielder that he wants to be Frankie de Jong, which, which doesn't really, um, which doesn't really uh, make full sense because then you've got Fred as well. And Fred was one of our better players in the last half of the season. So where does he fit in? Where does, where does everybody fit in here? We, we obviously can't fit in all three of the centre-backs with, uh, with Martinez being the new signing. Varane being the, the World Cup winner and Champions League winner and big summer signing from last season. Harry Maguire, who Ten Hag has already said is going to be the captain. I would go with Martinez and, and Varane. But how do you leave your captain out after saying that he's going to still be the club captain? It's almost like he has to play. But it's almost like Varane has to play because he was our big signing last season and he is our best defender. But then why do you sign Martinez for £46 million and not play him? So I really don't know what we're going to do tomorrow, who's going to be out on the field. I don't know the formation. I don't know the lineup. I don't know who's going to be the centre forward. I don't know if it's going to be two attacking midfielders with Ericsson and, and Fernandez, or whether we are going to play the, um, the two holding players again, which means McFred are going to be in once again. And uh, that's the last thing that Man United supporters want to see is, uh, is Fred and McTominay. And not so much because of Fred, but I just think McTominay is, McTominay is nowhere near good enough to be playing for Man United if we seriously want to ever challenge for the title or at the moment just get into the top four and by the way the bookies have priced things up Man United aren't looking very good to make it into the top four they've almost made it a foregone conclusion that Tottenham are going to be there for some reason and then the other team would be Chelsea so Arsenal and Manchester United are looking like huge outsiders for the top four according to the bookies but as you heard on my future show I don't necessarily agree with that whilst the chemistry isn't great at Man United at the moment by the look of things whilst it looks a very very disjointed team which Ten Hag is trying to piece back together and he's got a big job in front of him um, you look at these individual players and this was a team who were touted to challenge for the league last season in fact some some stupid Man U supporters when we signed Cristiano Ronaldo thought that we were going to make a very very serious challenge for it but um, in the end we actually ended up being worse off Ronaldo proved to be somewhat of a disruption despite scoring 18 goals the rest of the team seems to just completely stop playing and uh, everybody's decided that they're very very bad players but if you look ahead to the season before that Marcus Rashford was highly rated in England squad regular Jaden Sancho was considered a major signing Rafa Varane was considered a major signing being a World Cup winner and Champions League winner Bruno Fernandes was one of the best creative midfield players in the world Luke Shaw came out of the Euros as as if not the best but one of the best left backs in the world Harry Maguire had a great tournament he made it into the team of the tournament as well David De Gea has been one of the best goalkeepers in the world for years so 
this team really isn't as bad as we as we're made out to be especially when you look at the loss of the dancing tiktok pricks in lingard and pogba no longer being there i think that can only be seen as a positive especially given that pogba is already injured and not being able to start the season with juve i feel it's always a major plus point when any kind of cancer is gotten rid of and that's what Paul Pogba was in his last few years he was a cancer in fact he was probably a cancer the whole time because he created this horrible subculture in the dressing room which is which has been a problem for Man United for years so there are positives to take there Um, obviously I would feel better if we made more signings I would feel better if Mason Greenwood was back in his squad and I'd feel better if Cristiano Ronaldo just fucked off if he doesn't want to play for us but unfortunately we are still dealing with these complications and circumstances which seem to always be the case with Man United Ten Hag seems to be fronting up to it and dealing with it well he seems to be dealing with the media well obviously it's always a big thing when you come straight ahead straight face to face with the English media as a new Manchester United manager Mourinho obviously knew how to deal with it um, Louis van Gaal took some time previously um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer he knew what was coming but I never really felt that he took it in his stride I always felt like he looked uncomfortable and, and not at ease in front of the media but Ten Hag immediately has taken to it he doesn't give too much away he's blunt he's to the point and uh, I like his press conferences which is why I kept so much of it in at the top of the show moving on to this game against Brighton I feel like with Brentford away probably being a tricky game and then Liverpool being our third game of the season we really need to win this one because if we don't there is a possibility that we start the season with no wins in three and um you know that that could see us on on one point or two points after after three games probably not one point but there is a possibility that we could be on just two points after three games if we are defeated by Liverpool at home and uh, we get a draw here somehow against against Brighton and then another draw against Brentford so i'm looking at the best case scenario of United taking seven points from those first three games. I think that would be the absolute best case scenario. I'm not one of these supporters who's targeting nine points. I'm not one of these supporters that say, oh, Man United should always expect to beat Liverpool. Well, not at the moment. Like, Man United have fallen very, very far back at the moment and I would be absolutely delighted to take seven points from it. I am still a Man United fan who expects to beat Brighton tomorrow no matter what the issues are with lack of signings or, or, or or, or players not being fit, I still expect to beat Brighton, and I still expect to beat Brentford. Even though they um, they did very well last season, they could be a team that suffer from second second season syndrome, which I spoke about on the future show. United do go into tomorrow's game as the four to six favourites to beat Brighton. It's three to one on the draw, and it's four to one here on Brighton. The last time Man United played Brighton, they were whooped 4-0. And that was really, for me, the signature result of Ralph Ragnick's time at Man United. I think that kind of showed you how the players were, where we were at, the type of performances we were putting out, the attitude of everybody. That was just a case of let's just fuck this season off let's just forget about this season let's just stop playing let's just like try and put it in the back of our minds let's just not even turn up 
And that's why I don't really think you can put too much weight into it. If someone can watch that game and say that Brighton are 4-0 better than Man United and Man United were actually trying and that anybody really cared about that game and we still thought that we could possibly qualify for the Champions League or anything from it, um, you're absolutely delusional. That was embarrassing. That was a disgrace. And I think it means absolutely nothing going into this game, as does the other game. Uh, I don't think you could take anything away from Man United and Brighton. Man United beating him 2-0. That was one of the, I was, at, I was live at that game and it was one of the worst first halves, one of the worst 45 minutes of football I've ever seen till a Ronaldo goal lit the game up. And we'll take that tomorrow, despite the fact I would like to see Ronaldo out the door. When he plays, he does have the capability of being a match winner and producing something out of nothing. So whereas I'd rather have a strategy and a, and a style of play and an identity, which would be a fast and pacey and pressing front three. So I would much rather be seeing Martial, Sancho and Rashford in this lineup with with Mason Greenwood back in the squad and us looking to sign another player who would fit in with that system. Someone like an Anthony from Ajax, we are going to have to make do with with, with Cristiano Ronaldo. And that's a big shift because obviously we're so happy to sign him last season. And, And I wasn't unhappy at all. I was absolutely jumping up and down to have Ronaldo there because it got us closer. Um, to challenging for the title but I never realistically felt that we would challenge last season or win it I think that was very very delusional from our part but for us to get worse and for Ronaldo to be a player that you simply have to play around look when you have Cristiano Ronaldo on your team there's there's two things you could do you could build your team around him which is stupid when he's 37 years old and uh, if you do that you need to just play to his strengths you need to get the ball into the box you need to constantly be feeding and supplying Ronaldo everything you do everything the other 10 players do needs to revolve around building up to get it into Ronaldo and then he has to finish that's how you need to play and it's difficult when you have Bruno Fernandes who's ever since he signed he's been the key man at Man United and he's been a big influence and suddenly he has to take a back seat and have to play for Ronaldo you've got a new signing like Sancho has to play for Ronaldo Marcus Rashford obviously was, was touted as the next big thing at Man United and he's gone way backwards in the last 18 months he doesn't want to play for Ronaldo uh, Mason Greenwood really didn't seem like he was happy with, with Ronaldo coming in so it's, it's, it's difficult it's difficult when you do that and, and it just didn't happen it was a big it was a big mess last year in terms of Man United not knowing what they were doing and not knowing how to include this player or play with this player in the lineup. So I feel that when you when you do play with that front three and, and, and the false nine, it does give you more of an identity and it's more um, it's more in line with what we've seen with Eric Ten Hag and his teams at Ajax. And by the way, he built two of them. He built two teams at Ajax. Everybody sort of remembers the one with Donny van der Beek and De Litt and... Um, and Frankie de Jong and this, this dream, what turned out to be a dream team because everybody picked off their players. But then he built another team that continued to do- dominate in Holland as well. So this guy knows how to coach and get the best out of people. And um, we, we don't need this Cristiano Ronaldo problem because I just feel we're at the point where Ronaldo can't be coached. Ronaldo is Ronaldo. And uh, we, we've seen that over the summer. Yes, he may have had a family problem. We don't know what it was. We know, obviously, there was a situation with um, one of his twin babies 
dying towards the end of last season. But um, we we didn't we never knew what this family issue was. I don't think there was a family issue. I think it was I want to get the fuck out of Manchester issue, and that that was it. And I felt like Ronaldo was biding his time and waiting for his agent to get some get get him somebody, and nobody wanted to pay that wage, and nobody wanted that disruption, which is which is sad because that is what the end of Ronaldo's career is looking like. He's looking like a disruption who who nobody wants to pay the wages to, and nobody wants to disrupt what they're doing. Nobody wants to build their team around a 37, 38-year-old Ronaldo. Now, if Ronaldo was 29, then anybody would take the risk because having a peak Ronaldo for five years is worth it for anybody at any cost. You'd probably be, still even at 29 years old, you'd probably be paying 150 to 170 million for a Pete Ronaldo. That's how good Pete Ronaldo is. But to have this, this disruption in your locker room for two years or whatever it may be, probably hasn't turned out to be worth it. And I think people are looking at Man United and they are also blaming Man United. It's not a shift in opinion from me. It's something that I think that other clubs are seeing. Chelsea don't see the point. Bayern don't see the point. Other clubs don't see the point. So, so yeah, it, it does look like a Ronaldo issue, but it's something that we're going to have to deal with. He's going to be with Man United this season, and uh, while he's there, hopefully he can make an impact like he did last time out against Brighton. As I said earlier, Brighton won 4-0 when these sides met at the Amex in May. The Seagulls did avoid defeat in 15 of their 19 trips last season. So they are difficult to beat on the road. They do sit in and make themselves difficult to break down. And they do play good football. And they may even have more of the ball against Man United tomorrow. Man United come into this having won just one of their final six games last season. And failed to win their last three friendlies. Now I have that down um, because it's a fact. But you can't really read too much into that. Man United were well on top of the game against Aston Villa before they took all their players off. They comfortably beat Crystal Palace. They comfortably beat Liverpool. And then obviously they slipped up in the second half against against Villa. Uh, I think the Real Vallecano performance was was a little bit worrying. But then you had some players that's, that played uh, the Atletico game and the Real game. So it's two game in two days. So I, I don't know what to make of, of Man United's last two friendlies. I was happy with everything they did abroad. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens tomorrow. Um, there is a possibility that it could be a draw simply because Brighton just love to draw. Um, six of Brighton's Premier League away games last season actually finished by a 1-1 scoreline and the 1-1 scoreline for this game is available at 8-1 and that looks like incredible value. It, it could be something that, that happens here, um, especially with Brighton likely to set up with a defensive formation and uh, coming up against United side that failed to score in three of their final six games last season. So I... I would like to think that Man United do somehow get right tomorrow. I would like to see our, our crowd at like a 12th man. We always are very, very welcoming to a new manager. There's always a great atmosphere on the opening day of the season. That's why Man United have a great record on the opening day. And I think for this particular selection, for this show and this game, I'm going to ride that opening day record and I'm simply going to take United for that. I think I'm always a proponent of the new manager bounce. And despite the fact that Ten Hag has been in charge for a while we have played some friendlies this is the first competitive game and this is where the bounce counts so I'm going to go for a new manager bounce still here in this first competitive game and I'm going to go for Man United's um, opening day of the season record which is really really good so I'm going to ride out those two pieces of data I'm also going to look at the players that will play whether it be Ronaldo whoever we pick at the back whoever we pick in midfield 
we're still better than Brighton. And this is a team also that have lost two of their best players with Cucurella and uh, Basuma going as well. Let's not overlook that as well. So for that reason, I think there is value on Man United. You can get them as big as 7-10 to 10 on the money line. And that's going to be your lean here for this first episode of the new season of Bet MUFC. That's it for me in this edition of Bet MUFC. Looking ahead to podcasts coming out, we have the Scamessa Italia season preview and the La Liga season preview coming up. Plus, we have a soccer tutorial show coming out next week. Lots of people asking me about soccer bets. I'm always getting questions, particularly about Asian markets. I'm going to be covering that on a tutorial show, which will be available this week. But until then, that's it for me. Good luck with all of your bets as always, guys. And... Thanks for listening.